insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services. Got to quit smoking. Based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All American rivals, five star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you? Best I have ever been. Guys, I feel like a million dollars today. I just told it on last week's episode, and we'll say it again today. Feel the best I felt in six months. Uh, Got a lot of gratitude for all of my friends and family and the people I work with. I love you, Bradley Flowers. Love you too, buddy. Hey, I, I got a story for you guys. Never happened to me before. Probably will never happen to me ever again. So, Bradley, I've held off on telling this story till I got in front of you today. Okay. I, we have been doing this podcast now since the summer of 2017. Correct. Been a, been a, been a hot minute, been mm-hmm. a minute. And as you know, there has never been a time in my life that I don't believe that every insurance agent in America that I run across is a better insurance agent than I am. Anytime we have a right. a guest on the podcast, it's just assumed by me, this person's a better insurance agent than I am. Well, I think that's what makes this podcast somewhat interesting to people because we don't act like we know everything. Oh, uh, I can promise you that I don't know everything. For sure. So for sure. something has happened in the past month. So a little inside baseball for you guys. You know, Daniel Song always talks about never eat alone when you go to lunch. I don't really take a lunch. About one quarter of a mile from my office, you could literally walk there from my office. Mm-hmm. There is a Taco Mama. Love Taco Mama. And the reason that I eat Taco Mama every single day, typically get the same thing, is because by the time I can park, get there, park my car, get in there, order, eat my food, and get back to the office, it usually takes me about 20 minutes. So every day I, I take about a 20-minute lunch. Mm-hmm. And then between... Eight o'clock in the morning and five, five thirty, six o'clock at night. I'm jamming. I'm working, right? Right. In the past month, on two separate occasions, I have had people recognize me in Taco Mama, did not know them from Adam's house cat. And in both occasions, they walk up to me and they go, I know you from somewhere. Like the insurance guy. And I always I smile at them. And I'll say, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I introduce myself and I say, well, my name is Scott Howell. And I say, uh, what, what industry do you work in or where do you mm-hmm. work? And they will say something like New York life, farmer's insurance, something uh, like that. And I'll say, well, I think you probably know me from the podcast and every single, both times this has happened in the last month, their eyes get as big as a flying saucer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that is exactly where I know That's you hilarious. from. That has happened to me twice in the last month. So uh, that is a very odd thing to have happen that people would recognize you because of the podcast in the town or city that you live in. That's just kind of kind of mm, strange. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. No, no. Guys, we've got a very special guest on this podcast. Somebody I've been wanting to have on this show for quite some time. I guess the best way to describe him would be someone 
that has gained a lot of accolades. Well, really not accolades, gained a lot of notoriety in the industry. He is somebody that I feel like is now considered as kind of a thought leader in the industry. He started his own podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Somebody that I have grown to really, really like and enjoy being around. Same. And it's just an honor and a pleasure to have him on the show today. And I want to give him the introduction that he has always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he is originally from Longview, Texas, and he currently resides in McKinney, Texas. He is married to the beautiful Allison, and they have two beautiful babies, Charlie, aged five, and Emmy, age three. And guys, you are not going to care anything about this podcast right now, but one day, one day you're going to hear your daddy on this podcast 20, 30 years from now, and you are going to be so proud of him and what he's accomplished in his life, and you should be proud of him. I want you to go hug his neck when you get through listening to this podcast today. He is a graduate of Stephen F. Austin University with a master's in communication and a bachelor's degree in biology and kinesiology. I'm not smart enough to say that. He worked as an agency owner for Farmers Insurance from 2012 to 2019. And today, he is the agency owner of RiskWell Insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you my friend, Mr. James Jenkins. How are you, James? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Man, thank you so much for being here today. We have a lot to talk about. Before we do, just a minute or two, climbing this DeLorean. Now, you and I are two big old boys getting in this DeLorean. And after the yeah. One City World Tour, I can tell you, <laughs> it is going to be tough for me to get out of. Dude, I that all DeLorean out. was so small. <laughs> so oh, small. Dude. So I small. walked over there. I didn't even try to get in it because my myself well, is not going to fit in that car. You kind of no you kind of sit down, right? Like yeah. when you're in it, like it not only is it small, but it's like like if you don't have strong legs and you also weigh a lot, right. you're not getting out of that car. Uh -uh. But it's, like you're gonna it's, have it's to like roll a Ferrari out. or a Lambo, you know? It sits really low to the ground. It's not a comfortable vehicle. Dude, I'll tell you where Delorean missed the mark is not the fact that the owner was selling cocaine. Or distributing coke or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, it was the fact that those cars were so unreliable because I think a lot more people would have one now, right? If it was more reliable, it's a really cool car. It is, and, it and is. I would I would probably have one if it was more reliable, just because it's such a neat car. It is. James, jump in my DeLorean with me, not in a literal sense, but jump in my DeLorean for just a minute and take our audience of two hundred and fifty thousand insurance agents back in time. Tell us how you got into the industry and just kind of bring us up to today. Well, I mean, I remember it like it was a few weeks ago. It was the summer of 2012. I was working uh, in a higher education food service contractor role. I was running three convenience stores and an athletics concessions program on the campus of Stephen F. Austin uh, in Nacogdoches, where I graduated. And I was still there because I hadn't figured out what I was doing with my life yet. I'd had a bunch of jobs at that point, been the general manager of a Chick-fil-A, ran a call center for AT&T, doing outbound sales and service. I had a bunch of jobs, a an eclectic resume, as my mother would say. I say a, a really bad resume, like I didn't have any marketable skills at that point. And I, I was unhappy. I was a just an un, unhappy person. I don't know how else to put it. And I got home from work one day and my wife was in the kitchen you know, washing a pot or something. I forget what she was doing. 
And she's like, okay, here's the deal. I love you, but I don't like you. Mm. You're not any fun to be around. And then she said, and I'll remember this for the rest of my life, you are a black hole of negativity. Mm. Really strong words. We've been married for like 18 months at this point. She's like, I don't know what you're doing with your career, but you're going to do something different. You don't need to work for somebody else. At that point, I had three bad bosses in a row. And for anybody who's listening to this, who listens to my podcast, I'm sorry you've heard literally word for word everything I'm saying right now. But I had three bad bosses in a row. And the whole reason I got into insurance was I was tired of working for somebody who cared less than I did, was working not nearly as hard as I was, and was not nearly as intelligent or you know informed as I was. Because everything I do, I, I do it 100%. I, I'm a light switch. I'm either on or I'm off. Mm. If I'm off, I'm not engaged at all. I, I will not participate in whatever it is. But if I'm on, it's 100% full focus, intense effort, 24-7. I don't know any other way to do the game. Uh, and I, I put my resume out there back in the day. It was monster.com and careerbuilder.com were the two big ones that you put your, your resume on. Indeed wasn't a thing yet. And I got called by every recruiter from here to Timbuktu and the financial mm -hmm. services and the insurance world. There's something about my resume, master's of communication, I guess is just like profiled well for insurance and financial services. I interviewed with every company you've ever heard of and picked farmers and we were off to the races. Why, why farmers? The agency opportunity with farmers, if you're going to be a captive agent, the agency opportunity is, in my opinion, the best one. And with Allstate, there's a lot of startup capital. They want you to have a retail storefront and two employees on day one. You typically have to buy a book. There's a lot of things that I, I fault farmers for as a company. There's a lot of things I think they do not in the best interest of the agents. I think they do some really goofy things with the way they run their carrier. But that side of things... Yeah, the contract was very good. attractive. Contract's good. And then they also, they have the whole Craft Lake thing. So you have the sort family of a, rights provision yeah, where yeah. you can gift your entire agency to someone in your immediate family right. without asking for anyone's permission, as long as they're a licensed individual and they're an immediate member of your family. Like that's, that's attractive. Mm. And, you know, at that point, that was what I was thinking of looking back on it. Now, I really should have gone and been a producer at a really high quality uh, shop somewhere. I think that would have served me better in the long run. I don't think I should have started off at, you know, brand new to the industry, launching an insurance agency. Didn't know the first dadgum thing about insurance. I made a lot of mistakes the first year or two just right. because I was green and didn't know any better. Yeah, you and I both, James. I mean, I think anybody that's kind of at the age that you and I were when we got into that, I think I was around 35 years old when I got into the industry. Didn't know, you know, crap from shampoo about insurance you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yep. I don't care how much you know about insurance. You're going to make a lot of mistakes anyway. I, I still, to this day, make mistakes every, it seems like every single day. But I think we both can agree that my experience as an associate agent and your experience as a agency owner with farmers does give you a good baseline when you do you know, go out on your own and become an independent agent. I mean, it yep. really helped me a lot to all have all the training and the knowledge that I learned as a nationwide principal agent. When we stepped out as an independent in July of 2020, I think most nationwide agents were beyond prepared for that transition. I think, I think that was a good thing. 
Um, and I know farmers has got some fantastic training. I can't yeah. remember. You, you would know better than I where their training ground was, but didn't they have like a, almost a uni, uh, farmer's university. Farmer's type. university. Yep. It was an actual thing in Woodland yep. Hills. It's a suburb of Los Angeles. Took a up, picture up in front near of the sign. Yep. yep. Yeah, they had one there for the, the western half of the country, and then they had another facility in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was basically the same thing, but for the eastern half. And I visited both of those campuses at one time or another. But honest to God, that feels like a million years ago. And, right. I, you know, very different life. I didn't know how unhappy I was until, you know, we saw the light. Sure. Absolutely. And then risk well starts in what was it? I wrote it down here. 20, what year was it? 2019. You started risk well. So tell me now today, as we sit here, it's uh middle of February, 2023. Lots happened since 2019 when you started that agency. Tell me the good, tell me the good, the bad and the ugly of that. What, what has been, just very, very, you know, rewarding and what has been just a really big challenge for you since that time period. The the thing that you don't realize until you're no longer under someone else's system and their control is you start to discover all of the things that they took care of that you never thought about. Right. And that the first year, honestly, was it was pure insanity, man. It was like the kid who goes out and takes on Michael Jordan one-on-one and on pickup game of basketball, not having any idea who he is. He just played him and played him really hard and beat him somehow. Right. It's almost it was that, real sloppy. The, yeah. The ignorance of not knowing exactly yeah. what's going on, but you just have buckets of hustle right. and you, you outwork and out hustle everybody yeah. else. And, and somehow you win. You somehow you get it done accidentally that was our our first year in business because it was literally myself and Brecklin Chumley, my first hire. You can listen to her episode on uh, my podcast, just hearing her take on this. But in our first eight months on the independent side, we wrote a million and fifty thousand in premium in eight months with two people who were brand new to the inter in the independent world. Didn't know the first Dagum thing. Didn't know the AMS, the CRM. We didn't have a good phone system. We had like five carrier contracts at that point that SIAA helped us get right out of the gate. But we wrote a million in premium in eight months with two people being brand new. It's the, when I think back about that and my wife is like, how in the world did that happen? It's like, I don't have a clue. We just, (laughs) we just burned the ships. We went hard and somehow cool things happened. Well, it's the, it's the unconsciously incompetent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the four levels of you know you're unconsciously incompetent, then you're yeah. consciously competent, then you're unconsciously competent, and then you're consciously competent. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, it's funny when you start your own ag- insurance agency or business, and you realize it's 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 both equally freeing and terrifying. Yep. Yeah. That it's all on your shoulders. Right. It's like building a house, right? I'm building a house right now. You have to make decisions that you don't think about. Mm-hmm. What color yep. the light switch is going to be? Right. What color the baseboard is going to be? What color? What kind of doorknobs are you going to have? It's kind of the same thing when you start your own business from scratch without that overarching franchise making decisions for you. Mm-hmm. And 
having to make every single decision is terrifying. Absolutely. Everything's on your shoulders. I, I do else? think, I do think for the three of us, because you've got three agency owners sitting at this table right now that in a time span, all went independent within a year of each other. In fact, you and James Bradley are, are very months apart. Yeah, yeah. 2019, both of you. And then I went independent July of 2020. So we all three, I think could uh, say we probably in a lot of ways benefited from ignorance is bliss. Ignorance yep. is bliss in that. Would I want to go back and do it again? No. Um, you know, what's terrifying. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. You know, what's terrifying. What's that? I'll go on my phone sometimes and I'll, I'll scroll back to like photos of me doing things from like two years ago or oh, Facebook man. memories. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll be like, man, I thought I knew everything. Right. <laughs> I didn't know Jack. Right. And then what's terrifying oh, about that is you think, oh my God, I think I know everything now. <laughs> what what it what is 2025 Bradley right. gonna say about oh my God? Yeah. You know, right, like right, right. and so but it's you can't you can't dwell on that too much. You have to put the blinders on and be like, look, I only know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just rolling with that and we'll figure it out. Because the thing is, and I and I I said this on a previous piece of content, James, is you know, having been around folks who are known as really good entrepreneurs in the world, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuks, Jesse Cole, Dave Meltzer, before you get around these guys, especially in a social setting, you think, oh, they're way smarter than I am. Right. But when you realize it's it's not that much of a separation and also they're all just figuring out as they go too. It's just a different level of figuring it out. Sure. Everybody's, yep. everybody's winging it to some degree. Right, right. Yep. So... To your point, Bradley, uh, our position in the insurance industry provides us opportunities to meet and get to talk to and at length, at length with people like Rick Gulliver, the co-founder of Hub, and people like that are in that stratosphere of so much further ahead or beyond where the three of us are right now. And and to a man and woman. They tell me the exact same thing that just came out of your mouth. They say there's just different levels to this game. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's, whatever level you start at, three years from now, you're probably going to be at the next level and then the next level and the next level. It's motivating to yeah. me yep. talking to people like Rick or I'll give you an example. The guy who started Acrisure, one right. of the co-founders of Acrisure, which if you're listening to this, you're not familiar with Acrisure. That's fine. Uh, Acrisure is the largest independent agency in the country. <laughs> They're only the biggest one. Yeah. So, but, but you I didn't probably know. know I didn't know who they were a year ago. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, they I don't. They don't recently. do a great job of branding. Just to no, be honest, I didn't know. No, they don't. Um, Hub does a way better job. But yeah. But was started by an Allstate agent. Right. And I'm like, that. That's motivating to me. Sure. Like, no, I understand the fact understand. that somebody. Can, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is they a figured it out. First they figured threat. it out. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's tons of opportunity, and. I've never talked to someone who was eons ahead of me and thought, oh, that person is just so much smarter than me that mm -hmm. I'll never, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't consider myself yep. very smart. I'm not saying that. And it's, it's motivating to that degree. Well, oh. James, I ask you, and I do this now to most all the agency owners that come on this podcast and it takes them a little bit by surprise because we're less than a minute away from from, from the, the red light coming on and us going live on the podcast. But I always ask agency owners before we come on, what, what are you the best at? What do right. you feel like? Because I, our mission on this podcast is to help agencies and 
I think the best way to do that is to take the thing that the person that's about to come on the podcast and talk for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and really zone in, hone in and, and point down to what they feel like they're the best at. I asked you that question and you said, and I quote, and it almost feels like, uh, your answer, love this answer, but you're like, you know, once we get past the disqualification part of this and we're into the, what I call meat and potatoes of talking about insurance and their needs and coverages, the conversation that's leading to the close, that's what you're the best at. And I don't, I don't disagree with that. I could see you being really, really good. Talk a little bit about that. And I love the opportunity to have this conversation because at, at some point in the last couple of years, accidentally I became known as the technology and process guy mm -hmm. and I'm cool with that you know helping you know, people figure out their identity and branding and whatnot is and who they want to be in the marketplace is interesting but my heart and soul and what I really feed on in the practice of what we all do is that conversation with the insured mm -hmm. and just to push back a little bit on what you said I know your heart you're definitely heading in the right direction but it's almost never about the insurance until deep into the conversation. Right. And the and insurance is nothing but a vehicle to deliver results that the client wants. I couldn't care less about insurance. Mm -hmm. The longer I play this game, the less I care about the insurance. Um, second, I, second time we've heard that in the past two days. Love it. Yep. The, the longer I play this game, the less I care about the insurance. And I almost feel like I had to go out and get those designations, get those letters after my name so I could have that body of knowledge and make it superfluous yep. make it's like i know everything i need to know for the rest of my career i've got a bunch of letters after my name i don't need any more insurance knowledge for the rest of my career i'm good i know the forms i know the carriers i know the lines of business i understand risk i understand you know all of those things i i know how the carriers think i know about loss ratio i don't need any more of that okay cool so let's mm -hmm. focus on the insured mm -hmm. and in that conversation getting through to the human that you're talking to mm -hmm. the art the yeah. the the judo the verbal aikido as josh braun calls it mm -hmm. that conversation i mean i studied it in grad school i understand human interaction at a at a biological at a physiological level but like in practice that conversation with the insured is just so much fun man mm -hmm. that is everything to me like getting to understand someone, having them open up to you and learn about them and their operation and what they're up to and what keeps them up at night, what stresses mm -hmm. them out, what sort of challenges they face in their Pain business. Pain points. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, asking them questions from one human to another. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was how most agents, most insurance professionals, they mix up, and Bradley said this in previous episodes, so I'm not saying anything that's like earth shattering here. There is a huge difference between discovery and fact finding. Mm -hmm. A massive difference. I think most of our peers out there, just the the middle of the bell curve kind of, of agent gets that totally wrong because they ask the questions they need to ask for the insurance application to satisfy all the underwriting stuff. 
Uh, they go, if you're lucky, they go through the FORE or some version of the FORD conversation. You know, what's your family, your occupation, your recreation, and what do you enjoy? You know, all the, the BS stuff that they teach you to make genuine human connections when they're teaching you how to sell insurance. When, hey, here's a wild idea. Why don't you just have a human conversation and organically have a natural connection that happens instead of, tell me about your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, what do you guys uh what do you guys like to do on the weekends? Well, Whoa, and Scott well. brought it up yesterday. He and I are like hypersensitive in customer service or sales situations yeah. because we're in that industry. Yeah. You're if you're dealing, you're dealing, if you're especially if you're talking to a referral partner or somebody in sales, you're dealing with someone in sales, they're yeah. hypersensitive to what you're doing. You you get way further if you just have a conversation. Talk about what kind of bourbon you like, talk yeah. about your favorite sports yep. team, like like get through them on a personal connection level and then worry about the insurance stuff. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. I, you're, you're right on target, man. And I know you and I both share a certain affinity for for really good bourbon. Absolutely. Have you broke into that Taylor yet? I, I have not. I have not. James got me a E.H. <laughs> e. Taylor small bat. E.H. Taylor single barrel, which is my favorite. By the way, anybody else listening, it's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> it's my brother-in-law actually got a bottle of E.H. Taylor small batch and I've never had the small batch. He's never had the single barrel. So we're going to do a blind tasting. We, neither mm. one of us have cracked the bottles open. So we're going to do a blind tasting in a couple of weeks. So the only I th- reason I got the single barrel instead of the small batch is because it was a pick. Ah, the single barrels are hit or miss. Some single yeah. barrels are great. Yeah. Uh, and some aren't. Well, uh, I, small I batch, really you, you're that. always going to have a good bottle with a small batch. Well, it's but, funny, sorry, I, Aaron, I Roberts, Aaron <laughs> yeah, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Aaron Robertson got me a uh, a bottle of uh, Weller Special Reserve. Ooh, Both of you happened to give it to me at the One City, and so I took a picture, and it's like people know my love language. You know? There you go. So, so I'm just a giant suck-up. That's all it is. I buy so, social capital with bourbon. There you go. Yeah, that's there you go. Not a bad idea, actually. Hey, James, I had a question for you. Are, are you a BOR guy? You do a lot Absolutely. of BOR. You do a lot of BOR. It is a tool in the box. I'm I know that's a hot button for a lot of people, and I love it when people get up in arms. I think it's the You're stealing thing business, ever. James. You're stealing my hard work. Right. It's I, I'm gonna be more direct be, because I know that the people that I'm talking about aren't listening to this podcast. Uh the ones that say that are small, scared, weak. In just scarcity-minded people that will never amount to anything substantial in this industry because they operate from a position of fear, mm. from a position of I'm not good enough and I have to defend my territory because I can't keep my account on merit alone. Right. I can't, I can't keep my insured because someone else is going to come along and steal them from me because at the, at the end of the day, they don't understand value they don't deliver anything meaningful beyond the placement of an insurance product, which means that they are immediately vulnerable to the three of us and other people that are leading with value and yeah. not thinking of themselves as insurance agents, but as consultants and risk advisors. Well, I'll, I'll propose an analogy too. So we all have heard and know of insurance agents who have done illegal things, mm-hmm. right? And have yep. have kept premiums. There's There's several here in my town that have gotten, you know, we would view it unfairly if consumers painted us all with that brush of all insurance agents fall into that category, mm-hmm. right? Yep. 
I view BORs the same way. Every almost every single thing in the world that's good, you can use for bad in some kind of way. Absolutely. Right? Like yeah. Scott's wearing a t-shirt right now. <clears throat> Most of us would agree that shirts are good, right? They're okay, right? right. Clothes. I could also strangle you with it. I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't because you're bigger than me, but I could strangle you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Every single thing that's good can be used for bad. And I think there are agents out there who use BORs for bad in malicious ways, ADP, yeah. um, and try to to AOR people's policies well, that should, that, away from what them. You said under your breath, ADP, that should be illegal for sure. There, there is no way that that should be legal. That I'll you, tell can, you, I'll tell you an ADP if, story if, in a second. If, if I hand you. 600 mortgage documents Correct. to sign and on the 327th document down there there's a there's a signature and I'm just blowing through signing them and it's it's an it's a now that that's not there that and there, be there definitely are people that use BORs in a bad way in a malicious way in a sneaky sure. way and even in a way that maybe not intentional they just don't do a good job of explaining to the customer what they are signing Correct. right yeah. and so I think a lot of these agents that that have a disdain for BORs and AORs. Um, not I'm not disagreeing with you, James, but I think a lot no. of people that have a disdain, they're almost painting everybody that uses them with that broad well, brush because they have PTSD from a time where someone was malicious with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you both something else that I just thought of while you were saying what you just said. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I'll tell my ADP story after that. Okay. Yeah. Please. I think another thing for the three of us coming from the captive side of the house too independent i can remember uh as a nationwide captive agent i can't speak for farmers and i can't speak for alpha but i have a sneaky suspicion it was a lot the same way uh the bor was like you, you just didn't i mean right. it was like you know oh my god somebody did a bor and everybody right. starts talking about this person that did a bor so i think there's that stigma attached to mm -hmm. The cat on the captive side of the house, it's not even a, a well, it was it was thought. demonized for two reasons. One, it was demonized because you were somewhat in the same boat with this person and you took a piece of business from them. Correct. And then two, it was at least at Alpha, it was demonized because the district manager was the person who had to process this. Right. And I would have a greater chance of getting Scott to never take his shirt off ever again mm. than they, <laughs> they hated hated processing right. that because they knew they were going to hear it from both sides right, right and that sort of thing the only thing that was worse i think was writing a life policy on somebody else's account but yeah it's it you are a hundred percent a hundred percent correct oh adp story my adp story yeah, yeah yeah so then this is like that shocking of a story but it's just kind of a funny story i've never told so uh i signed up with i left the payroll company i used for my first like two and a half years in business and signed up with adp is this when you went independent no, this was like a year ago. Oh, okay. And I, um, I see where this is going. I oh, I didn't man. know who ADP was. I'd never heard of them. I'd seen the logo. I think right. uh, Cameron Smith, the golfer, I think is sponsored by them, but I had no idea who they were. And I signed up with ADP because the young lady who does my books, I asked her to do the payroll as well when I fired the other payroll company. And because the other payroll company had accidentally paid three former employees at three different points in two years. And I let like that's like the one thing you can't do as a payroll company, right? So I let them go, and I asked the lady who does my books to do my payroll, and and I'll just buy the technology, right? Um, in hindsight, I probably should have used like Gusto or somebody like that. 
But she said, yeah, I'm familiar with ADP. Why don't you sign up with ADP? Perfect. Signed up with ADP. And I remember Carruthers saying that people who are in payroll are really good candidates to be producers, right? So I talked to this kid. And secondly, they're also a potential good referral source too, right? So I talked to this kid. He signs me up. He's been with ADP like two months. Super sharp, like really good kid, really knows his stuff, could really see him fitting in in the portal culture. Took him to lunch and tried to hire him and realized real quick that because he had only been there two months, like he he felt it was too early to leave and would need like a year or so. So that's cool. So, So I realized really quick, my spidey senses, he was not going to come to work for me. And so I pivoted to, hey, well, if you're dealing with clients on the payroll side and they need help with workers comp or or, or whatever, send them over to me. You know, we kind of had that conversation and I'll do the same thing. When we do our annual reviews with our commercial clients, I'll recommend you for payroll. And he's all about, I mean, we had a great conversation right down the street here at this barbecue place you and I ate at last time. Sure. And so- Great conversation. Less than 24 hours later, I'm in my car driving across the Bayway and I get a phone call from someone else at ADP trying to sell me workers comp. I said, "Uh, I'm good, but that's a really good way to ensure that I never send any of my clients to you ever. Wow. And I'm like, why at ADP do you guys not have some sort of flagging system that says, hey, this is an insurance agency. Don't solicit them for workers comp because- a lot of insurance agencies probably use ADP and there's no telling how much business they're missing out on just because they're not doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard I've heard a whole I, I thought for sure you were gonna say that your work comp policy got a no, award. That in would that be a much better story. I See, would, if I was like a comedian and this was like one of those comedian podcasts where all their stories are made up, right? I, that's where it would so, go. No, so, that's not what happens. James, I thought the exact same thing. I thought Bradley was gonna say that this kid Sent him like this DocuSign thing with like 50 documents on it to sign for ADP to start doing their, you know, payroll. And in the, you know, Bradley's just click, 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 clicking through. And then the next day they called and said, hey, we're your new workers comp. That's where I thought it was going, honestly. (laughs) That would be such a great story. Sorry I let you guys down. That's okay. No, you're good. Hey, uh, Scott, you asked me about sales process and and the, the BOR really is central uh and i i recognize that what i'm about to say is probably controversial for a lot of people out there i don't really care i know you're shocked by the fact that i don't care <laughs> uh, but the the process for us our sales process we already talked about the disqualification thing and you know you've you guys have had cameron pishi on so you've already talked sure. about the uh, his initial disqualification process or the idp not that's kind of a weird one the idp on igp you know there that's you kind of there a mouthful right once we get past disqualification yeah, and we decide we we want to move forward here, first off, we always start the conversation with the insured up front. We ask them what they're looking to accomplish. Hey, what does a win look like for you? What you know, mm-hmm. why are you out to market? What why are you spending your valuable time talking to me? We usually make fun of ourselves at that point. Nobody ever talks to me because they feel like it. There's always some reason why they want to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But once the insured tells us what they're looking to accomplish. I always tell them up front at the beginning, I am not going to ask for your business until I am confident that this is a good mutual fit. And I'll tell you right now, I will not ask for your business if I don't think it is. And if I'm certain that it's not a good fit, then I will terminate the conversation in the middle of it. Thank you for your time. And you and I can both get back to our day. 
Well, we told them up front, once I feel like this is a good conversation, I'm going to ask for your business. I'm going to ask you to fire your current representation and hire my firm. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, that's what's happening at the end of this conversation. I don't think it's right for me to ask for your business until we get to know one another, sure. until we have some some good dialogue and figure out you know, where the items are that we can improve on, where we can add value to your operation. But I want to make sure we're on the same page. I'm very interested in getting to know you better, understanding your your business. At the end of this conversation, I'm going to ask for you to hire my firm and fire your current representation. So just know that ahead of time. At the end of this call, if it goes well, that's where we're going. Do mm-hmm. I have your permission to continue? Mm-hmm. And that's and, it. And, and if they say no, then, okay, cool. Thanks for your time. Have a nice day. But if they say yes, well, they gave their permission, so they feel like they're more in control. Do you ever but reach then, back out to that person that says no? No. If they say no, they're dead to me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, if, so James, if they I, reach out to me later. Yeah. I'll have that conversation. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. If they say, Hey, you know what? I've seen some more of your stuff on, on your channel. Hey, so-and-so came up in conversation. I want to revisit this. Absolutely happy to, but I'm never going to prospect you yeah. again. So James, uh, we interviewed an agent, I guess it's been about a month ago, two months ago, something like that, that said something to me that is right in line with what you're saying right now, the words that just came out of your mouth, but it really resonated with me. What he said, we were talking about the BOR. He leads with the BOR as well. And the the phrase that he used that really resonated with me is as a consumer, a business owner, you really need to hire, hire the agent first, and then we'll figure out the insurance part of this, right? Because, you know, we all, I guess not everybody, but most mid-size independent agencies like the ones that the three of us have, we, we kind of all got the same stuff. I mean, if I sat here and rolled through all the carriers and the uh, wholesale brokers I've got, I guarantee you within a couple of carriers, James, James Jenkins and I probably have about the same thing. And, and that's multiplied tremendously when you're in like a coastal or catastrophic Correct. type market which north texas is unfortunately right, yeah. bingo and but bradley is a thousand percent right it's multiplied times a hundred you got five independent agencies within 10 miles of each other they probably all have the exact same carriers correct yeah so now it's just okay who do i want to work with who do i feel like is gonna be a person and james has mentioned this a couple of times who, who do I just like? Who do I want right. to work with? Who do I feel like's the most professional and knows their stuff? And then from that, then we can get into this whole, okay, let me, let me see your policies where, where maybe we can do a little better or, right. or change some things. I, I couldn't agree with you more, James. I think you're, I think you're on the right track there. I think I like what you just said. And the way that we position it, we, right. we call it out for what it is. You'll hear the term thrown around, agent of record, broker of record letter. Here's here's what that means. And we're demystifying the whole process. It is simply taking over representation for your account in the marketplace. Are you right. familiar with how commercial insurance works? Blah, blah, blah. You guys all, all know that thing. Obviously, the listeners here are familiar with the whole you know singular space. Um, how are we doing on time, Bradley? What, five, yeah, 10 minutes? Five minutes. Yeah. Okay. So... The, the language that we use is very simple. We're going to sign these documents that you hire our office to be your representation. Mm-hmm. And then what we're going to do is very simple. If your current program 
the policy itself is the best option. After our market analysis, then my office will simply take over management of the existing program. We'll make any changes necessary, and you'll enjoy the you know benefits of being a risk well uh, client. If we are able to find a better alternative in the marketplace, then we will replace your current program with whatever we find. And if there's any pushback at all, we have the conversation of what level of competition. There's three levels of competition. Mm. There's the policy level. There's the carrier or wholesaler level, and there's the agent or broker level. Mm-hmm. And we we openly discuss this with the client. And you think that signing a BOR or AOR means that you're giving up competition, that you're somehow losing out on some competitive advantage in the marketplace, which couldn't be further from the it's truth. The exact opposite. It's exactly, and precisely, it is exactly the opposite because you're removing confusion with all the underwriters you have selected an individual representative who's able to pit those underwriters against each other and mm-hmm. force them to get into hand-to-hand combat to win your business. So you're moving the competition from the agent or broker level down to the down to the carrier level. It's the same thing when people won't give you copies of their current policy or won't tell you what they're paying, even though it's really irrelevant to us. Yeah. What happens is, is it makes them very unattractive to the underwriter. And, and our exact yeah. verbiage is, is, you're blocking out this premium, hoping you get the lowest price. But mm. actually what happens is you're taking away all of my negotiating power mm. with yeah. the underwriter away. Mm-hmm. And what I love in that moment is to get some Chris Voss into the conversation. And if someone sends me blacked out something, or if they refuse to supply important documents, my immediate pivot is, well, oh, it sounds like I haven't earned your trust yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they say what, whatever they say. Or we don't work as hard. Especially in personal lines. If you send me a blacked out premium, I'm going to do like one quote and it's going to be with the carrier I want to place you with. Right. And here it is. Right. Versus I could have worked a little bit harder for you if you gave me more information. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Hey, James, you said there were three levels of competition. And I, when we have podcast guests down on, I write everything down. So sure. what were, it was policy level, yeah, the, carrier the, level. The, the lowest level is the policy level. Yep. And the second level is the carrier or wholesaler. We call them providers in our office. Right. And then the third level is the agent or broker. Mm-hmm. And the the insured tends to focus on that third level, or I guess you could call it first level if you want. You know, first level is agent or broker, second is policy, or second is provider, third is policy. But mm-hmm. getting the insured to see the value of, you know, picking their representative. And we, we do it the same way, talking about the analogies there. Where the attorney, and I sit down and go, hey, you are not going to reach out to three different attorneys and ask them to draft a contract for you and then sit down and read the contract and see which one you like better so you hire the attorney. Right. You pick the attorney and then you have them go to work for you. Correct. It's no different. And getting the insurer to think of us as a white-collar professional advisor rather than a commodities salesperson, I think the whole conversation hinges on that. If you can successfully get them to think of you as a competent professional advisor, mm. you've basically already won. Boom. James, I've got to run. Man, I, I, I could, we're, we're going to have to have you back on. I want to continue this conversation. Yeah, we left a lot of meat on the bone for sure. We did. We did. And I apologize for that. No, but, you're good. Hey, I'm down for I, it to run it back, you guys. Just I, let me know when. 
Really, really, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. As I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass off whatever you're doing, your TPS reports. Chat GTP. Chat GTP. <laughs> quit looking at TikTok for three hours a day. Go out into the big bad world. Build relationships. Become the trusted advisor and the insurance guy or girl in your community. Learn from people like James Jenkins, who has figured it out. Learn from those guys. Competence equals confidence. Competence equals confidence. I think James is a fantastic example of that. I really do. Go make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents and your in-laws that are struggling out there. Go make money for them. Figure out what your why is and go live the life that James Jenkins, Scott Howell, and Bradley Flowers know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you deserve to live. Go live that life. You deserve that life. Go live it. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love Thanks, you. Thanks, brother. Thanks, James. James. Thanks, guys. Guys, you were listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.